The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Good morning, my Squacksters. How is everyone today? Things are going great here with planning for Mavo 2021. The schedule is totally done and published on the website at midatlanticvo.com, so you guys can go ahead and check that out. It's such a relief to have that done. It takes so much planning and gathering of information to organize everything, and even though this will be my sixth Mavo event I've planned, the schedule still gets me every time. Obviously, there are a few little adjustments that might be made before November, but for the most part, we're set. Anyway, I'll talk more about that later, but I want to get into today's interview. My special guest today is a guest speaker at Mavo 2021, so I'm really excited to have the chance to chat with her. Diane Perry is a widely respected U.S. voice actor, teacher, and voiceover coach based in the U.K., She has over 23 years' experience in the voiceover industry and is a three-time Voice Arts Award nominee. She holds a teaching qualification and has facilitated courses and workshops in London, Manchester, Bristol Old Vic Theatre School, Staffordshire University, and in Latvia as part of the Riga International Film Festival. Diane conducts one-to-one coaching sessions from the Shed Studio in London. Her first book, Voiceover Narration, Creating Performances from the Inside Out, has just been published by Bloomsbury Methuen. It's such an honor to have you on the show today, Diane. Thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Val. This is really exciting. I've been looking forward to it all day. Can you begin by telling us how you got started in the voiceover industry and how you ended up based in the UK? Mm, Right. Well, very long answers to both those questions. Well, the short answer is I decided when I was, I think I was 34, that I had always wanted to work in the voiceover industry ever since I was a child. I always wanted to do cartoons. But of course, as we do when we have dreams, we sort of do everything around them, sort of dance around them and don't go near them in case we fail. Finally, I reached the age of 34 and thought, you know what? I really, really need to do this. I really want to be in a cartoon. So I just told everyone I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And it turned out that a friend of a friend had a studio in London, in Hoburn, and they were doing radio commercials. And I thought, okay, well, that's not exactly what I want to do, but it's still in the arena. So I met with him, lovely guy, uh, Charles Nove is his name, very well known in the UK. And we got to know each other and started going to his studio and doing radio commercials every day. And then that led to other opportunities, which eventually led me to do uh, working in cartoons. And then I fell in love with all the other genres as well. So narration, of course. So that's kind of how I got started in voiceover. How I ended up in the UK, even longer story, I'll make it even shorter, <laughs> which is I basically I fell in love with someone who lived here. That's the really short version. Of course, there's a little bit of a longer version and a little slightly longer version is that I came over ages and ages ago to do a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival in Scotland. Had a taste of four weeks of the artistic lifestyle. And so I went back to my job working as a stockbroker assistant in Oregon and thought, I have to get out. I have to get out of here. I have to move somewhere else. And so then I just met my husband and stayed. So that's how I ended up in the UK. I mean, it's a lot more of a convoluted story than that, but that's it in a nutshell. Wow, that's such an awesome start and so exciting that you met someone and you got to move over there. And you Well, we got married in 96, so yeah, I've been resident here since then. 
Wow. But it's, it's going really fast. It is strange because I don't really, I will never be a Brit. You know, I will never yeah. truly fit in, even though my home is here. But yet when I go back to Colorado, where I'm from, they think I have a British accent. I don't really fit in there either. So I just consider myself as kind of a mutt, I guess. Just sort <laughs> of, you know, a worldly, I don't know, just I don't really fit in neatly anywhere anymore. And that suits me. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah. Well, your book called Voice of Her Narration, Creating Performances from the Inside Out has been published and was recently released. I haven't had the Yay. chance to read it yet, but I'm definitely going to. What made you decide to write a book and what was that process like for you? It's kind of weird because, you know, I never, I mean, I've been in voiceover for 23 years. I never intended to write a book because there's so many great books out there, you know, James Olberger's and, you know, I mean, loads and loads of other books. And I thought, well, that's not going to be my goal. But what happened is that I started to sort out for myself ways around my crazy brain, basically. So why was I stumbling all the time? Why was I doing this? Why am I monitoring myself? Where's my head at? Where's my focus at? So I started to sort myself out, uh, paying attention to my reads from the outside and also from the inside, monitoring what was going on in my brain and all of that, and then sorted that out and then started to try these concepts and techniques and everything on students in a sort of a laboratory, you know, try it out on the students. And I was amazed at how things changed just by people shifting their focus. And so I started to amass all of this bits of data. And then two years ago, it was around July of 2019. And I suddenly thought, I just felt the pull, you know, I just felt the pull to, I, I need to collect all this stuff. I need to actually write a book about this. And so it's a different kind of voiceover book. It's not about the business of it, really. It's not about rates. It's not about how to do reads precisely. It's really just how to get your mind right, how to focus, how to handle nervous energy. There's a bit of mindfulness to it. I think that narration can be almost a meditative experience. I'm sure you've had this experience where you just kind of feel like you're having an out-of-body experience and you have no idea how these words are coming out of your mouth, but it all makes sense. So we've all kind of had that experience. So the book is really about how to achieve that. Obviously, it's very practical as well. So in addition to talking about energy and vibration, all of that kind of thing, then we sort of transfer all of that into the practical side. So there's some uh, sample scripts and there's a chapter on prep and, and all of that chapter on all the different projects within narration and all of that. So that's kind of what the book is about. And the process was, I had no idea what to expect. I had no idea. I just had this drive to do it. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to figure it out as I go along. So I got in touch with a friend who had published a book through Bloomsbury, who's published mine. And very involved author proposal, just incredibly involved what they want. I can't even remember how many how many pages, 20 pages or something. And then they said, yes, we love it, basically, after a lot of hoops and a lot of time. Yeah. And they, would, they went, <laughs> yeah, we love that. Yeah, we'll have that. I was like, oh, gosh, okay. Well, I guess I'm writing a book then. You know what I mean? I just did one step at a time. And that's what I tell my students to do. Just do the one next thing that you think is the right step for you. And then you'll figure it out as you go. If I looked at the whole mountain of everything I was going to have to do, there's no way I would have even taken one step. Right. But I just thought, okay, I'll just focus on the proposal. And I'm a master procrastinator too. So the mere fact that I managed to do this project and deliver it on time is like a small miracle. 
So, yeah, just one step at a time, and eventually it was done. And then, honestly, I gave myself probably five minutes between when I sent the final draft to the publishers, then I started working on the audiobook. Honestly, like five minutes. <laughs> my husband was like, I'm glad you had a little break there. That was good of you to give yourself, you know, a whole five minutes. <laughs> a to- whole five minutes. Exactly. (laughs) But now I'm trying to get back into what is rest like? What is that like? So it's quite nice. I honestly can't tell you. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, we have to. There's a lake about five to seven minutes drive from here. And so I've been going to the lake and just honestly just sitting there and looking at the ducks and reflecting. And my nervous system is taking a while for my nervous system to catch up with my brain saying, relax, please. It's so nice to look back and go, oh, wow, I actually did that. That's so exciting. And that's such a great accomplishment to have under your belt. You know, it's really great because not everyone can just write a book. I think a lot of people think about it. A lot of people are like, yeah, maybe I should write a book. And then they don't ever do anything about it. And you did. You know, you were like, yeah. I should write a book. I'm going to do it. And you actually did it. So that's... Thank you for that, Val. Everything just coalesced. It's just like, you know, when you have something in your life and you're like, you're so focused on that. It's like, that will happen. And then that's when all the cooperative components kind of just fall into your lap. This little piece of information, that little bit of research, that person that you'd never heard of that's talking about the brain. Oh, I want to talk to them. I want to reach out to them and get more information. And I won't say it wasn't hard. I mean, it was. It was hard work and I had to be diligent and organized. I had a giant calendar and everything, like how many words do I need to hit this week, you know, hit my goals and everything. So I won't say that it wasn't a lot of work, because it was, but it was made easier because I was so focused on it. And every night I would go to bed and I would visualize myself holding the book, even before I knew what the cover design was going to be, because I kind of had an idea of what I wanted on the cover. So every night I'd go to bed and I would visualize myself holding that book. That's really important, because if I just visualized the book, It's just kind of out there in the ether. But if I visualize my hands on that book, I just really believe that that brought it to me. Like, bring it out of the ether is how I think about it. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the age that I'm at now or what is just happening in my life at the moment, but I think I really have started to focus more on life really is what you manifest it to be, and everything that is supposed to happen is going to happen no matter what you do. So it's about making good choices and things like that, but... If you truly believe that you can do something and that it's going to happen, it will happen. And it's just maybe not always on your own timing. It just happens the way it's supposed to. But it's something I really believe in and something I'm very Mm. passionate about. So that's cool that you did that. It's a universal law. You know, it's law of attraction. And that's whatever energy you're putting out, that's what comes back at you. You know, I touch on that in the book. It's not about chasing what the finished audio should sound like, because that's never going to create an authentic read from the core. So it's just about managing the energy and the intention and the emotion, and then the words magically take care of themselves. I mean, of course, there's going to be exceptions to that rule when you have really complicated technical scripts or whatever. But generally, if you can actually just tap into the energy that you want to get across, the expression, then the words and the way that you say them will take care of themselves. And that's what I found in my own work and with students as well. I've seen students who initially I just thought, okay, you'll never, ever be able to do this job. But a little bit, a few questions, a few little 
tweaks here and there, and suddenly their brain is right, and then suddenly they can narrate. And they never thought they could, and I didn't think they could. So I've seen amazing transformations. I think it's just incredible. If there was something called a voiceover psychologist, <laughs> that's kind of what I would be. So <laughs> I sort of call myself, I actually even wrote a, an email to someone and I signed it a VP, you know, like people who have letters after their name, which I don't, but I signed it a VP and then in brackets, NTA. And that, that was like voiceover psychologist, no actual training or no training, <laughs> you, know, no, you know, something like that. So that's kind of how I think of myself because I love, and this is what the part of the job I really love is just rooting around in the psyches of voice actors, finding out what's going on in there, what's happening in their mind, body, and voice, and how does their narration machinery work, and just getting in there and tinkering with the gears until they can get their own system clear enough so that they can actually perform intuitively, like from the heart and through the right brain and through their intuition, rather than the analytical mind and trying to work out, okay, where do I breathe? You know, what words have to be emphasized, all that stuff. You know, we shouldn't be thinking about that stuff. If you think about a sculptor who's making a bust out of clay, they're not thinking to themselves, what are my fingers doing? What are my thumbs doing? They're just expressing through the clay. And that's what we need to do as voice actors is just express using the voice as the mechanism. Yeah. That's really great information. And I have noticed lately that I have a lot of contacts that I have, a lot of voiceover people. Just they get so, I do this too, I get so in my head sometimes when I go into an audition. Mm. And it's like all I need sometimes is a coaching session with someone to be like, do it this way, do it that way, do it this way, to get myself out of my head and go like, hey, you can actually do all this stuff. And you just have gotten yourself so worked up in your head that you can't get past it by yourself. So sometimes you do, you need like a voiceover therapist to just, (laughs) or coach to just be like, you can do this, you know, and you just have to have the right techniques to push you through that little hurdle that you're trying to get over. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what this book is about, is to actually show people that they can do this themselves. Not that coaching isn't important. Of course it's important. And coaching is wonderful. There's so much stuff in this book which will help people, oh, okay, like recognize what issues they have. For example, There's some archetypes, like there's the monitor and the anticipator and the perfectionist, which I know extremely well. So I included those because I thought if voice actors could recognize themselves in one of those archetypes, like, for example, the perfectionist, they go, oh, yeah, that's me. I do that all the time. And then we talk about, okay, what's behind that? It's usually fear. That's what causes perfectionism. And then ways to get around that, you know, ways to sort of quell those tendencies. So there's a lot of psychology. In fact, I wanted to call the book The Psychology of Narration, because that's kind of what it is. But the publisher was like, oh, no, that sounds too academic. I was like, <laughs> okay. So we decided on the on the title that we've got. So, um, But yeah, I, I think it's absolutely fascinating. And it really goes back to my childhood because I noticed when I was a kid that what people said and the energy that they exuded while they were saying it didn't always match. And that always fascinated me. When I'd ask my mother what was wrong, if I sensed that she was upset, she'd go, nothing, I'm fine. So, you know, her words were saying she was fine, but her tone and her energy is telling me a completely different story. So it goes all the way back to childhood that I've just been fascinated with the energies of communication, what's underneath the words. And so as voice actors, if we can tap into that, that magic ethereal layer about what's behind the words, then we have a much better chance of actually connecting with the listener 
and not only connecting with them, but affecting them, affecting them on a visceral level. I just find it fascinating. Well, I can't wait to read it or listen to the audiobook, either one. And I know there's so much that I have to learn, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I know that all of our listeners are going to grab a copy, too. So I'll put the link in the bio. Well, I hope so. And, you know, we, we should never stop learning. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Live with Squacky. Join me next time for part two of my great interview with Diane Perry. Live with Squacky was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Okelson of Antland Productions. Quack, quack.